Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition, the Round 6 edition of the Weekend Wrap, brought to you by Crowcast, of course. I'm glad we all survived it. We've got people on Discord and we've got keep people on YouTube. The bloke I was most worried about is also with us tonight, Macca. How are you going, Mac? Oh, mate, i tell you what, it was... The game was agony, wasn't it? it was at times it was, at times it was, it was pleasing. We'd say a great little bit of football, but... And towards the end, it was just absolutely agonising. I, I was sure we were going to lose. And then, yeah, you know what happened in the last couple of minutes. And, oh, at the end of it, I, Jesus, it's the greatest relief I've felt for a bloody long time in a game. I just yes, caught absolutely. It. Absolutely. Oh. It was, uh, I was exhausted by the end of it. I was. I did feel uh, exhausted. <laughs> if you want to have a crack at bloody uh, Sanjit, he's having a crack at me all the time. Manjit, what's what's your, what's your problem, mate? Um, just lower your camera a little bit, mate, so we can see more than just your your scone. There you okay. go. Look at that. Um, yeah, I, I was cooked by the end of it. <laughs> that was a tough game to watch, and I'm sure it was a tough game to play too. Uh, Hawthorne brought the heat. And uh, the pressure levels were sky high for most of the game, a, a season high in tackles. Um, you know, it was just uh, um, it was just all round, just a, a difficult game. But uh, you know, it's good to walk away with the four points. And winning ugly is still a win, mate. It is. Um, you know, Mitchell obviously playing the, the style of game right from the word go, and uh, it was interesting that. Uh, what he would tend to do is move his players up into our area, and if they ever did get a break, that's when they got their score because they uh, had a lot of players and that left a lot of space open at the back. So, you know, it was obviously a plan that he that he had to... Because if you give a space up forward, we you know, we can cut teams to ribbons, and they, and they really cut down on that space up forward. Yeah, they did. Uh, they played the game very well, and uh, look... Uh, there's a lot of negativity around the place, um, but uh, in my books, it's it's a banked four points, and uh, to me, it was an excellent win under difficult circumstances. It was, and it was interesting enough. It, it took the old fellas to, um, well, not necessarily all of them, but uh, um, really to get the game going. Uh, you know, like somebody like Sloan. Sloan came just was fantastic, and. Um, I, you know, I've been sort of a little bit critical with playing him, but um, I'm wrong. Yeah. All right, so before we get into uh, all of that, why don't we do what we usually do, Macca, and go through the uh, go through the weekend's results uh, and get them out of the way. I've got about a thousand things on my screen here. Here we go. All right, so on Friday night, Mac... Uh, Fremantle, terribly disappointing. Terribly disappointing. I don't know what's going on with them. He's reverted to a weird defensive game style. They don't seem to have any avenues to goal, and they got absolutely pants by the Bulldogs by 49 points. Yeah, look, it was a pretty ordinary game, actually, in terms of uh, 
overall schools. The uh, the main schools, of course, uh, rested with the, the dogs. Bont and Pelly played an absolute blinder of a game, and uh, he was ably assisted by Trelaw. Um, and uh, finally, the bloody coach uh, put McRae in the centre, and he got 11 clearances the minute he put him in there. And uh, I think that was also another thing. So really, uh, they, it was really down the dogs in most of the game, and I thought Frio didn't present much at all for the whole game, and if that's the best they're going to put up, they're going to have a pretty ordinary season. Don't you reckon? Yep. Oh, I agree. Uh, their, their season is right on the cliff face at the moment. Um, if he doesn't change some things up uh, in the way that they play, uh, then they're not coming anywhere near finals, in my opinion. Yeah, just a couple of things I want to make on that particular game. Was the, the ruck duel was great with Darcy and English. They were both great ruckmen. Um, yep. But but the other thing I wanted to mention was playing... Um, they paid two first-rounders for Jackson. Mate, he's not worth one. He's not. Do you know, I, um, I watched one of my favourite movies over the weekend, Macca Moneyball, and uh, one of the key things uh, that was said in that movie and part of that theory is that players are overrated based on hype. And I think Jackson is a classic example of a second ruckman that um, was in a successful team that was traded away for way overs because of hype. Absolutely. In fact, it was very interesting that um, while Darcy was on the ruck against English, they had moments of matching uh, the Bulldog. The minute that uh, Darcy had a rest and Jackson ruck, well, it was all over. It just went one way, straight down the dog's end. Uh, he, yeah. he is just, well, I would be bitterly disappointed as a Frio supporter if, if that's all I got for two first-rounders. Yep, they sold the farm on that one for sure. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, the next game was uh, Port getting off to a fast start, but the Eagles really, you know, tried as hard as they could under the circumstances to make a game of it, going down by 40 points in the end, uh, 109 to 69. And, you know, I reckon Port would have been hoping for a bit more out of that game. Well, they would have been hoping so, yeah, because they actually got outscored in the second half. Um yeah. And, and by, that's why a team that only had 29 players available uh, for the game. So, they, you know, it's by far from being their first choice team. But uh, having said that, you know, um, there were a couple of highlights in the game. I thought uh, Rosie was beautiful to watch. He, he's a really beautiful mover, isn't he? And um, uh, it really, that's where they won the game. I mean, they just had that class in the midfield. Um, they went up without a real ruck, ruck set up, and I don't know how that's going to work for them long term because with Finlayson, um, they used Finlayson and uh, the, his name Tickle was the other bloke they used. Um, yeah. And uh, West Coast actually dominated in the ruck. But, uh, yeah, just the class midfield support, um, except for, I thought, very, very ordinary game from Horn Francis, very ordinary. Yeah, he's about to get ditched out of my fantasy team. I've lost patience with him. Um, but uh, PJ Crow's in the chat saying George Artis did an ACL in the twos. Yes, that's what they were saying. Um, it's not oh, actually dear. being confirmed, confirmed, but but uh, suspected very likely. Yes. Yeah. Um, already looking on the outer there for some reason. I, I don't know why they're not playing him. I know he's got. A few problems kicking for goal at the moment, but uh, he's not a bad lad. And gee, 
Uh, he'll end up back in in west in the west, I reckon. Well, they haven't got Marshall next week either. He got concussed, so he, he'll have yeah. to miss under concussion rule. So they're going to be a bit down on tools. Yeah. Uh, the next game, um, the Giants and the Lions. This is a good game, this one. The Lions in the end by 21 points, but the Giants not embarrassed by their performance, I wouldn't have thought. No, I mean, overall, I think uh, Brisbane's got uh, more quality spread all over the ground. Giants have some really classy players on top of that. Um, Kelly uh, is all-class. Canilio gets a heap of the ball. Um, you know, and uh, I, th- I thought they fought it out uh, fairly well, but I think just, it was just class of Brisbane that told overall. Charlie Cameron up in the forward line kicking seven goals didn't help uh, GWS any. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's really a, yeah, that's really pretty the well. Played pretty well, Charlie. Uh, GWS, of course, without grain, which didn't help them in the middle. Um, they just lack a little bit up forward. The young lad looks like he might be something, um, but Jesse Hogan's not giving him much at the moment. No. Uh, all right, and then the next game, wowee, as BT would say, um, Geelong, one thirty to uh, Sydney, 37, 93-point shellacking by the Cats. It was horrible to watch. It really was horrible. Because I hate Geelong for a start. I hate Alphabet Stadium. So I'm I'm, I'm behind the eight ball right from the start. And then I'm watching um, poor old Sydney getting kicked off the park. If, you know, Sydney had no hope before the game. No, they lost their tool, for, tool backs. They lost their tool forwards. I mean, but they had nothing. They had nothing. No. And uh, uh, I think, well, I think they're in for a fairly ordinary season. Well, if they don't get a few back on the park and fit soon, then it's going to slip away from them, I would imagine. So, uh, yeah, uh, not good. Um, what do you think? What did you think about um, Duncan's um, um, bump? Do you reckon he gets weak for that? He should. I think he should. But, you know, all the, uh, the Victorian uh, scribes seem to think he shouldn't. Um, but oh, he's been cleared apparently, according to PJ. Well, there wow. are. We- that that blows my mind. That blows my mind. Well, I, it I'm really in your does. I am sure that he was wearing a crow's jumper. He would definitely have gone. Unbelievable! That is unbelievable. We got a lad who's now back in the twos, struggling for form after missing three weeks on 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 a possible on the possibility of hurting someone. On the potential, yeah. It just, I can't stand it. Can't stand it. Anyway, we move on. Uh, Carlton and St Kilda fought out a hard-fought game. Carlton won everywhere except on the scoreboard in this game, really. Uh, St Kilda in the end by 22 points and maintaining top spot. Yeah, one of the games of the round, this one. Um, It's again, uh, Ross Lyon, he brings his brand of football to the club and as you know, his brand of football is very defensive. And uh, uh, while uh, Carlton, they had the big guns up forward, and then they, which they got four goals out of, but they didn't have much else to go to. And the interesting thing was how, if you looked at who kicked the goals for a St Kilda, they were little guys from, and uh, I think Butler might have got three, but then there was scattered amongst a heap of other players. So they're not relying yeah. on any one player to get their goals. They're just taking it as they come. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah, but they just scratch and claw and fight, typical St Kilda. And there are a couple of classy players there as well. 
but uh, yeah, typical Ross Lyon side, and they got Ross Lyon sides are always hard to beat. Yes, indeed they are. You've got to uh, make the most of your chances, and Carlton just didn't. Um, but uh, I'd hate to break for that team. I really would. Um, and uh, the late game this afternoon, the Suns uh, doing my tips no good, uh, getting up by 43 points over the Kangaroos, 97 to 54. Didn't watch the game. Macca, what can you tell me? Uh, I watched a little bit of it, um, and then I got sick of it. Um, yeah, look, the Gold Coast were, were too good for North Melbourne. Um, yeah, and Sheasel came right back to earth. You know, he'd been getting 30-plus a youngster. They tagged him very hard, and uh, he only had a think. About six uh, position in the first half, something like that. But yeah. uh, no, the, the midfielders, Gold Coast, were right on top. And uh, uh, well, I didn't in back line play the game of his life for 133 Dream Team points, and I was absolutely delighted with that, as I had him. Um, but yeah, no, not much to say about the game. Not a great stand again. No, and to be honest with you, really, the round hasn't been that great. After after the excitement of Gather Round, um, a bit of an anti-climax this week so far, but we still do have the uh, the Monday game, Melbourne v Richmond, and uh, then, of course, the Anzac game on Tuesday, Collingwood-Essendon. So a couple of potentially really good games, although Melbourne could do a number on Richmond if Richmond don't bring their A game. Um, but I, I reckon the Collingwood-Essendon game might be a good one. Yeah, I think it should be a beauty, actually. So you are right. I mean, it's been a pretty dull round, uh, apart from us with our game, and other people might say it was a boring round, including us. But, you know, when you have a game as tight as that and um, and then you get up in the last breath, like as we did, uh, no, you couldn't say that was boring. But uh, I think the no, rest that, of the game... No, definitely wasn't boring. And if anyone's been watching or had had the the good fortune to go to the Live Golf Tournament, that's certainly not boring. <laughs> I've never seen a golf tournament like it. It's fantastic. Have you seen it, mate? No, I haven't. Uh, did you go? No, I, I didn't get a ticket. I would have loved to have gone. Uh, yeah, no, well, everybody, uh, look, everybody has been raving about it. and um... It's fantastic. I've never seen, There's more barracking at the golf than there was at the bloody Suns North game, I reckon. Like it's just incredible. I've never seen a golf tournament where there's cheering and and like catcalling and all that during a bloke's swing. It's just incredible. But it's a completely different game. Fantastic. Well, I'm just watching the chat and uh, um, some pricks rose my background. Poor eyes, Billy. Shut up. Um, <laughs> it, is it? Uh, is Come that? On, mate, get today? it together. I yes, just asked you. Uh, they only play three games. Uh, three oh, rounds. Like, oh, they don't have a fourth round, right? Okay. No. I wish I had a watch. Was, but... Yeah, it was very good. Um, no, Liv isn't Mickey Mouse, Vardy. It's uh, a proper tournament. It's just been brought into the twenty first century, mate. Um, and it just goes to show that. Uh, professional sports people can play with a bit of crowd noise and a bit of distraction and uh, uh, everyone that they interviewed every golfer that they interviewed at that tournament loved it so um, uh, be good to have that for the next couple of years as well so uh, uh, March April again shaping like a good time to be in Adelaide yeah I've got it. it's been outstanding over the last let's say two three weeks for Adelaide um, you know some of the shopkeepers and uh, some of the stores who they might be struggling a bit, uh, pubs and 
accommodation, all that type of thing. I think they've had a great lift in this period. And uh, um, Malinowskis, while he doesn't uh, do everything he promises, he's done a great job in this area. He really he's, has. he's done pretty much everything he's promised and then a bit more, mate. So he's doing all right in my book. Uh, the thing, uh, I was talking to my mate this afternoon, Mac, <laughs> and because um, uh, his old man used to play at Grange, so we've had a few hits there and... Um, I was saying, imagine imagine the old fellas next weekend at the at the first tee in the Saturday comp, and they're all yelling out while the other bloke's having a hit because that's what they saw at the tournament. <laughs> That'd be all right. That would be <laughs> fantastic. All right. Well, look uh, before we move on to our game, a special thank you to everyone who's joined us on the Discord chat. And also everyone who's joined us on uh, YouTube, I must say, uh, Matt, we get really good live numbers at the moment um, on YouTube, around about 100 a week. So uh, don't get nervous or shy or anything like that because 100, 100 pairs of eyes watching you right now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry if it was a thousand, mate. Oh, I mean, it would have been better if you'd got your curtain organised. But anyway, um, you know, and... Uh, of course, we are live and interactive. So those that are on the live stage in Discord, if you want to have your say, you know what to do. Uh, lift your virtual hand and we'll get you on. And look, I was hoping this man would come on. I was hoping this man would come on because I've never seen anyone so dark after a win as young Scorpus. How are you, Scorpus? <laughs> Hello. Uh, is my voice sounding okay? I thought I should probably check that before just jumping on. All good? Probably just bump yourself up just a little bit, mate, if you can. Just a little. Oh, I'll, tr- I'll, I'll figure out how there to do go. that in just a moment. Um, yeah. Oh, you've probably seen some of my Bigfooty posts. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you would have thought oh. we lost. Come well, on, Well, I mean... I mean, it was looking like it was going to be a loss up until, right into, up until the last minute, but... Um, we won, so there's that, but certainly not a convincing win. But I'm sure we'll get into it. We will. We will. Um, and for those of you who don't know, um, young Tim runs a, a small YouTube channel. So if you're into computer and technology, um, go and see Hardware Unboxed um, on YouTube. Uh, he's got one or two subscribers and gets the odd view. So just, just battling his way through uh, YouTube at the moment, <laughs> aren't you, mate? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, just the day to day life of that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, no, it's been it's been great to see the crowcast numbers recently. It's um it's really picking up. I think is the crows have been improving, and there's a lot more you know interesting and exciting things to talk about. Um, people are sort of jumping on board and getting around the crows, which is great. That's right, mate. We did the hard yards, so <laughs> now we're going to well, see yeah. the benefits of it. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Can we start this before we made a grand yeah. final? Was it like 2016 uh, I remember doing this? So, 20, yeah. 2015. 2015 was our first year. So yeah, we were so two years in years. when we hit a grand final. Yeah, they were good years. They're, well, I mean, they were kind of good years. You'd take Walshie out of the equation and they were kind of good years. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been a bit bumpy for a few years after that. <laughs> Plenty to talk about, though. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. All right. All right, let's uh, get around our game because it wasn't a bad win, Tim and Macca. Um, it wasn't a bad win. Uh, the Crows getting up in the end, 11-13-79 by three points uh, over the Hawks, 11-10-76 with uh, ice in his veins, Darcy Fogarty uh, kicking the sealer. And then Jake Saligo just thought that it wasn't close enough and the fans hadn't suffered enough. 
So why don't we just try and turn the ball over with a minute and a half to go, just to give people a little bit more of a heart attack? Sorry, are you talking to me or, or uh... I'm talking to I'm talking to everyone, mate. Chime in, say something, mate. Well, actually, it was heart attack material. There's no doubt on that. But I think I think it was. When we're looking at uh, that, they got that goal. It was two minutes and ten seconds left. My foot. We can't do this. We just can't do it. And uh, anyhow, we went down and uh, we got went eventually and worked our way down there. And that bit of magic by Rankin to get the ball when there were two opponents and to then snap the goal was actually outstanding. Um, back to the centre and and then. Um, Coming down there again, the same side to Fogarty, 40 metres out. I reckon it was about a 30 degree angle, and got ice in his veins. He just and he's the he is the best kick uh, goal in the AFL, and he just slotted it. Look, and have I'm the not... confidence to kick a drop punt from there. It, I would say just about every other forward in the competition would have tried to curl that around for him to be able to just slot that drop punt through, and it never looked like missing straight off the boot. I nearly faded with joy, mate. <laughs> I just, but I, I, I did say to Mrs. Mackett, if anybody in the AFL can kick it, it will be this guy. Yeah, yeah. Your camera slipped again, Mac. Either, either that or you're, you've fallen down in your chair. <laughs> Didn't your mother tell you to sit up straight? No, look. Uh, the, well, the bit that got me at the end was the the uh, the following clearance. It's like, can we just hang on to it for a minute and a half, please? And then he's gone to kick it to a contest that's an hour forward and it's like, oh, Jesus. I think that was pretty indicative of the whole match. You know, yeah, we, we got in front and then, you know, just after we'd suffered through 120 minutes of excruciating, frustrating <laughs> football, we go and just try and almost lose the match. And I think in there was a couple of contests in Hawthorne's Ford 50 in that last minute that we were very lucky to escape with. I think there was a... Uh, a push in the back or, a, you know, sort of falling in a player's back in a contest that the umpires in a lot of other games would have paid that and Hawthorne would have had a shot on goal. Jath uh, missed uh, a, not a sitter of a mark, but certainly there was a mark there to be it taken. There. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, very, very lucky. <laughs> very lucky. But, but Tim, we won the game. We won the game, mate. We won the game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> prior years, you know, I think of a, sort of a Don Pike era, we absolutely would have lost that, hundred percent. Well, we haven't lost. We haven't won there since two thousand and five. We always have trouble against Hawthorne down there. We always have trouble against Hawthorne. In, well, invariably have trouble against Hawthorne in general. Um, four on the trot. I can't remember the last time we won four on the trot to uh, or four of the first six in a season. Um, you know, there's a lot, and being headed in the last quarter and finding our way back from what was it, 13 points down, a lot of positives out of that game. And yes, it was a scrap, and Hawthorne brought the pressure, and we matched the pressure, uh, but we struggled at we struggled to execute our game plan under the pressure that Hawthorne brought. Uh, so it turned into a slog, and we didn't have the greatest service from our two main players in Dawson and Laird, so we had to do it without them. And uh, our forward line or our forward 50 entries really weren't functioning terribly well, particularly in the first half. Um, so there was a lot going wrong, um, and yet we still got the points. And, you know, um, I would imagine there's a fair amount of tape to be watched on Monday, uh, but it's always better watching the tape when you've banked the four points, I reckon. 
Yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, that we did a lot wrong. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We did do a lot wrong. Um, I thought that uh, we got caught out so many times that we're, our, our backmen had, uh, had wandered right up with their forwards and because, um, as I said, they were, they were crowding us a bit in our forward line. But as soon as they got possession of the ball, they took off like 100 mile an hour, and that's they got so many opportunities that way. Um, I would say that... Uh, you know, Nixie's going to be very upset about some of the backmen in particular that they, they did not really play very intelligent football. I mean, really, if they want to plug up and in our forward line, all you have to do is wait for the thing to come back. I mean, like Stuart does that, that for Geelong, there's always somebody waiting back. But we did, that wasn't the case. Now, we were just all, we just were following our opponents right up all the time. I, well, not only that, issue is... Sorry, go on, Scorpius. I, I was. I'm interested that Maka sort of jumped to the defence as the the first part that to talk about having issues. I thought it was more the connection into the forward line, um, which was excellent in the previous couple of weeks and just totally fell apart today. Yes, that. But I agree with you that you're right about that. But that's what I'm saying. They they did crowd it. We didn't have we we started off with a little bit of space in the forward line and there was some couple of nice uh, goals got, but. It, they gradually more and more just came down into our forward line and crowded. So we didn't have that freedom of movement that we always have. And so you are right. The forward line uh, did not file anywhere near like it always does. And and that's one of the reasons I, I reckon Mitchell, he, his coaching was good to prevent that. It was well, a flood was, for sure. I mean, it was, a, it was a Clarkson cluster, really. They just got numbers around the contest and compressed the ground and, and took up the corridor and that was the thing and what ended up happening is we kicked it up and down the line because we couldn't really get much in the way of transition um, across the ground we couldn't change lanes very quickly or very well um, they had all our outlets blocked up pretty much and so um, we reverted back to that you know that long bomb down the line the long bomb into mm. the forward 50 and it really wasn't effective and you know it wasn't helped by the fact that I felt our forwards play or particularly our tall forwards played from behind for most of the day I don't know why but it seemed to me that Hawthorne defenders were leading our forwards to the ball for most of the game for some reason um, and uh, so you know that efficiency that we've built up over the last month or so going into forward 50 just dried up completely because of the way that Hawthorne played so you've got to give credit to them um, but by the same token, it would have been nice, and I think one of the focuses during the week, hopefully, will be that we we just needed to be more um, we needed to be more patient with ball in hand. We our contested uh, uncontested numbers were down, our um, our marking numbers were down because we weren't getting the ball as much on the outside and able to to chip through like we have. Mm. Um, and you know that. I, I feel like the pressure that Hawthorne put on us made us panic a little bit um, and not just, you know, take... We ended up playing their game, I guess, is what the what the bottom line is. We played their game. They they didn't allow us to play our game. We played their game all day. Yeah, look, I agree 100% with that. And uh, and I know Scorpus might be angry with our forward line, etc., but it was very difficult for the forwards because of, the, of what was happening up further up ground and uh, the way the ball was coming in. The thing that really disappointed me was, you know, I was sort of looking across our team before this game and, and looking at, you know, oh, where do I slot in all the players? Like if I was going to just list out a best 22, you know, who's on the wing, who's in the centre and stuff. And 
you know, I came to the conclusion that our side's very versatile. Like, there's a lot of players there that can play multiple positions. You know, you could have players rotate from outside to inside, forward line, all around the ground. And yet we had Dawson kind of getting shut out of the game by the pressure of Hawthorne being played on the inside. And we didn't seem to do anything about that. Like they he didn't could last play, he, yeah, there was a little bit of that, but I, I would have thought that as soon as we started to hard tag him, you know, they could move him back, move him forward, just try and really, I guess, free him up a little bit. Cause he is like previously when we had players like Sloan get tagged out of the game, it's very difficult for him to play deep in defense and then deep forward um, back to back. Whereas with Dawson, we can play him anywhere. We, play, we could move Chase Jones around the field. We could move Miller from defense to the wing or something. You know, Saligo played more inside this week than previous weeks. We had Pedler. We've got Rankin who could play more inside. And we seem to stick with a very similar group of players there who were just getting beaten by the pressure. Well, see, I disagree with you a bit there, mate, because up until the, what, five-minute mark or ten-minute mark of the last quarter, we're in front. So even though they weren't playing their free-flowing, aggressive brand of football, we were still in front, and I didn't mind the fact that we were sticking with structure. Um, What I did like is when uh, the whips were cracking in the last and we needed to change things up, um, Dawson went back to half-back. He brought Sloaney into the midfield rotations. I even saw Murray up forward at times. Um, He did change a few things up, but I I just don't think the game warranted... Like, you've got to allow a good player to to work through that tag. And, you know, a a player as good as Dawson is only one play away from breaking the game open. And I think Nick's allowed him the opportunity to do that. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. He had, a, he had a horrible day, Geordie. He couldn't take one take the ball. He couldn't get any space. He was obviously affected by the tag, etc. But, you know, we're, we're in learning phase. And I don't want to see a situation where Dawson is taken out of the game just because of a tag. I want him to be able to work through that. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. 100% a fair point. I just, I guess, would like to have seen him... I don't know, like, not so much as a reactionary move, as in, like, oh, he's been tagged for a quarter, let's now shift him back to defence for a quarter, but more just throughout the game, if it's clear from the opening five minutes or so that he is going to be receiving some very heavy attention, that he can just start plonking himself around in a few different positions, which, again, you did bring up that he he did shift around a bit in that sort of final period of the game, and yes, we did win, Um, but, yeah, I, I guess that's just my thoughts. Yeah, and look, the other thing too, sorry, Mac, uh, I'll let you have a saying, just to finish that off, what I didn't see is any real um, support um, for our for our mids. There wasn't a lot of blocking going on. There wasn't a lot of assistance from the periphery. I would have liked to have seen, particularly around stoppage, I would have seen liked to have seen Jones and, and Murphy provide a little bit more support to try and free Dawson up. We really did go head-to-head and man-to-man with them in, in their midfield. And Newcomb did an excellent job on Dawson and got a fair bit of the agony himself. Um, you know, and they just sat on, on Leary all day. Um, so I think, um, you know, I probably I probably stand by what I said, but I would have liked to have seen us maybe mix it up a little bit more in the midfield in terms of blocks and, and you know, that sort of stuff. What do you reckon, Mike? Well, what I was going to say about the midfield is that... Uh, 
you know, it's right at the back, you know, the Dawson, he was a bit uncharacteristically uh, fumbling a bit today but with the pressure that he was getting. Um, I mean, he still had a reasonable game by, by normal standards, but not by perhaps by his standards. Um, Laird, he, he was tagged all day, and but still, I mean, you can't stop Laird. I mean, he still had some 29 uh, disposals, I think it was 13 tackles or something like that. Um, but the interesting thing is in that last quarter, they were tagging uh, Jordan and they're tagging Laird, but Sloan was untagged, and Sloan was the driving force in that last quarter. So, that, you know, you, yeah, you might have been losing on the swings, but there was a little bit coming back on the roundabout. So um, uh, I do agree that I would have moved uh, probably Dawson back a little bit earlier, but he did go back late in the game um, when the game was uh, up there for to win or to save or whatever. So I don't think Nick's did a lot wrong. Um, and uh, I don't know what else much he could have done. There probably, there probably is, but I'm not a professional coach, so... I'm just going by what I see, and I think um, it was just a grind, and it was really it was just a matter of who was going to grind the best. Yeah, and look, the the stats reflect that. We might just quickly go through the stats. I think um, before we, you know, talk too much about individuals, um, because you know, stats wise, it was a very close game. We had three fifty two to three fifty five disposals. Uh, we seemed to kick it a little bit more than they did. Uh, they were using handball to get through our. Um, our defence on transition a little bit more uh, inside 50s, 53 to 47 our way, disposal efficiency was fairly even, um, our efficiency inside 50 was back down to human levels, uh, which you'd expect you can't expect to be up around the levels we've been for the last couple of weeks all the time, particularly in a pressure game like that freeze were even, although I didn't think the Amps had a very good day um, in stoppage uh 52 to, 40, 52 to 45 hitouts. I thought, um, without going into it too much, I thought O'Brien had a bit of a stinker today. Um, I felt like he was beaten at ruck um, by another lad who can jump, and uh, he could not one grab a ball all day. Uh, yeah. Clearances, however, 38 to 47 our way. Uh, Centre, 11 to 9. Uh, stoppage, 36 to 29. Um, contested posies, 134-145. You can see there what I'm saying with uncontested ball. They got us on the outside a little bit more. It was pretty even, 212-206. to 206. Uh, Turnover's fairly even. Um, in the air, uh, marking, 78-79. Marks inside, 57-14. I reckon without knowing, I reckon a lot of those would have been in the second half because in the first half we were woeful. Contested marks, 8-7 to seven their way. Intercepts. 67 to 59 and that's really indicative of the fact that they were just cleaning up our long bombs into forward 50 quite regularly and um you know we didn't have the composure to try and change the game up in that sense so i mean really i mean the 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 stats don't really indicate much 88 tackles to 75 indicates exactly how much pressure was on i think that's a uh, 163 tackles i think is a season high so far Tackles inside 50, 16 to 8. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all the stats really show, the team stats at least, is that uh, they got the ball a little bit on the outside and they didn't allow us to play our outside game. That's what it boiled down to. Empty scores, you got anything to say to that, mate? 
Yeah, I mean, that's how I saw the game. I think it was interesting that our, um, we ended up beating them in clearances. Hawthorne's a very strong clearance team and has been throughout most of this year, despite, you know, trading out some of their inside midfielder players from the previous year. They've managed to really nail down that area of their game while they might be still lacking in a few others. But I, I would be very interested to see how many of those 47 clearances from us and 38 from Hawthorne were effective. I imagine a lot of them went immediately into another contest. I know that you know a, a, a rut contest that goes into just another rut contest isn't often counted as having a clearance there, but certainly it felt like a lot of the, you know, we'd get out a handball or a short kick and it would just immediately be another stacks on pile sort of situation. Um, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see like how many of those clearances directly translate into inside 50s. I don't imagine it was too many directly out of like one clearance. Yeah, I remember seeing the stat, I think at half time, I think we scored two goals from from centre, um, but most of it was most of it was happening from turnover, as you'd expect. Um, I reckon a few of those uh, centre clearances for us at least would have been in that last quarter. We did actually, with Sloan in the middle, um, uh, supporting Laird, and I think Keyes actually went in there for one or two as well. Um, we did seem to get on top in centre work in the last in the last quarter. We um, did, yep. and we did actually get a couple of clean clearances out of there in the last quarter. Yeah. Um, be interested uh, in Scorpius' thought about Riley O'Brien's game today. I, I thought he got done by Young Reeves. Reeves, I think, is going to end up being a good, a good ruckman in, in time. He's still only young, and O'Brien's uh, been around a, a long time, but I thought he got done today. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was great the last couple of weeks, so, you know, it's hard for me to sit here and say he has had a terrible season, but I think this game... I'm not sure whether it was as much he was getting directly beaten by Reeves, but he, and I think Phoenix has brought this up on the podcast a few times, he, he's a very one-dimensional tap ruckman. He's not particularly creative. He has his hit zones. And James Warple, he just planted his ass right yeah. in that hit zone. Yeah. And I reckon Riley O'Brien directly under no, like not a, under pressure tap or anything, directly tapped it to Warple maybe four four or five times, certainly three times, I reckon, in the first quarter. Yeah. Very, very obvious. And I think that really set the tone for his game. Yeah, we Walking say that week after week. We say, don't we, Fiend? We say that week after week, he just keeps tapping to the opposition all the time. No regard of where, the, where our men are. His marking but, game I've was said, also off. Oh, yeah, it's I terrible. Think but uh, in general, we we just couldn't one grab the ball. It was like a wet day. Um the amount of fumbling at ground level, but also marks that were second grabbed or dropped or whatever, um, it, it was horrific. Um, we just didn't seem to be sharp. And it was interesting because our, our SNFL team didn't um, win either. We got done by Centrals in a close one. And we, they didn't look sharp either. So whether the 10-day 10, 10 break had something to do with it, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, or whether the team's just come off the boil a little bit, um, which can happen. We've had a couple of five-day breaks, so, you know, it. Uh, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes at the club, but the, the whole club, both ones and twos, um, just uh, seemed a little bit off the boil and just not quite sharp with their ball skills. I guess yeah. very good. Very good call by Fiend there because of the fact that we had that five-day game break and uh, we was worried about whether we'd be uh, 
capable of uh, maintaining our intensity. Well, we were very intense, and we were very obviously very conscious of it as a team, and um, with the also obviously the fitness people, all the rest of it, and we we played really top intense fo- uh, football. But it didn't look like that today, Fiend. It looked like we'd had a too long a break, and we didn't. We'd sort of dropped our intensity, and we couldn't quite pick it up again. And you know that's one of the reasons why I'm happy with the result because, um, you know, in in times past if we don't turn up to play and we would get beaten by five or six goals on that effort, but they were able to pretty much match Hawthorne's intensity. It wasn't the intensity so much that was the problem. It was just, um, you know, our skills fell right away as a consequence. We didn't handle the pressure in terms of our own disposal and our own ball handling. But, you know, we're certainly at them in the contest. Yeah, it felt a bit like we sort of... I I definitely agree that we we matched them in intensity. It wasn't we didn't rock up to the game. Um, You know, we've seen plenty of times us going down to Tasmania, like in uh, 2017, sorry, where we just don't rock up and, you know, they get... on top and smashed us by 60 points to zero in the first quarter or whatever the score was back on that dark day it felt like not so much that they yeah just didn't have the intensity but were kind of a bit shocked that Hawthorne was preventing their game plan from being executed that that's sort of what it felt a little bit to me like um like they were certainly expecting a fight, but maybe not that much of a fight and there are certainly times when, you know, some of our players have been doing a few, you know, they're trying to do a few party tricks, handballs over the back of their head, you know, a few selling candies and that sort of thing. And, and those sort of things didn't really come off today when in prior weeks, I yeah. think they might have expected those sort of moves to play, um, to pay off a bit more. So, yeah, it felt like they were sort of a bit, I don't know, maybe it was more of a mental thing as well with the pressure, like dropping uncontested chess marks mm-hmm. inside forward 50 missing sitter goals you know a lot of that isn't physical pressure from Hawthorne but it certainly it felt like they they knew that they weren't having the game on their terms and that sort of flowed onto all of their football yeah good call well and there is something called implied pressure um Tim uh and you know after when you when you realize that a team is going to be at you all day then you start you'd start feeling that pressure even when sometimes it's not actually there, you know, and uh, that that's the benefit of putting pressure on your opponent. You you can force them into unforced errors just by just by your presence there, um, and that's something that Hawthorne did all day. They didn't let us have any free ball. They were up in our grill the whole day, and, um, you know, at, as you said, at, at times you could see our blokes fumbling and, um, you know, lacking composure in situations where they didn't really need to rush. And they seem to have a very, Hawthorne at least, had a very tight inside structure. Like they had a lot of players very close to our outlets like Laird and and Dawson to prevent them from getting to our outside players. And that was very, very effective. Like they were just, how many tackles did we see today where Hawthorne had two, three players just right there to tackle straight away? Whereas in a lot of our previous games, we'd really relied on you know, our structure was holding a bit further out of the contest, so that allowed us to spread really effectively. You know, we, how many times we see against Carlton that we just very quickly were able to transition from outside to in, and Hawthorne, by crowding up the ball so much and chucking so many bodies in there, I guess maybe our players just didn't have the, that same vision to the outside players. They were really beaten badly in that area, I think. 
Yeah. And, you know, that's a classic um, Clarkson cluster where he compresses the ground, makes the ground small, puts a lot of players around the ball. And what we needed to do was to slow the game down because once you slow the game down, you know, naturally the ground opens up again because players move and, you know, space opens up. But they didn't allow us to get another free ball on the outside where we had the opportunity then to slow the game down and allow the the ground to open up. We kept going down the line. We kept being forced to get rid of the ball under pressure. Um, And I was a bit surprised after half-time that the way we played didn't really change all that much I, I thought there would have been a bit more of a focus of hanging on to the ball Mac yeah look you're quite right at you know, half time I expected like the coach would have uh, a good chat to the players and point out what they were doing and what we were reacting and, and doing and uh, that to try and change our approach to the whole thing and uh, perhaps try and dictate rather than be reactive um, but it really was just a continuation after halftime. Whatever he said went through one ear and out the other because it, I didn't see any change at halftime, after halftime. Yeah. And, you know, look, that's great because, again, this is this is a, um, a uncharted territory for us. <clears throat> you know, we it's not often that a team will set up to try and beat us. Usually a team will set up to win the game. Uh, but we had Mitchell specifically set a game plan uh, to beat us, I reckon they would have sniffed that we might have been on the tail end of a bit of a run and due for a loss. You know, they play well down in Tassie. There's a lot going for them and I reckon he would have had them set for this game, particularly after they lost in a heartbreak at a GWS the week before. Um, you know, so as I said before, there's going to be a lot of tape to, to look through, but a, a lot of things to be gained from, you know... A, the result aside, a lot of things to be gained by how we handle that pressure and how we move the ball in, in that circumstance. Uh, just to both of you gentlemen, um, I'm very glad we had a game like this and, and won it um, because it also exposed where weaknesses lie in our, in our game, in our game plan and also in our personnel. And from your point of view, uh, both of you, um, would you be making certain changes Either to either to our game plan or or more particularly to our personnel. Well, okay, apparently, apparently our SANFL team didn't play very well. I no. unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch it, but I heard that um, not a lot of players put their hands up. So that's kind of unfortunate because in a game like this, you really want to you know maybe shuffle around some of the weaker links and bring in someone that was performing really well from the Sandful. But it just doesn't seem like that happened. And I believe Berry got injured potentially there. Um, you know, Schoenberg had some ankle. stats, but wasn't apparently that amazing on the day. So it makes it hard, um, at least from that. I think with the game plan thing, it's really going to be a you know a week-to-week sort of proposition. If we have another Sam Mitchell-type game plan where they come in and try and stifle us like that, we're going to need to come up with a, a more effective plan. But, you know, there's other teams that are going to, allow us to play more the way that we played against like a Carlton or Fremantle or even a Port Adelaide game, which was a fairly contested game, but we certainly had that game more on our terms. Mm. So, you know, it would be nice to have a sort of that fabled plan B that people on Bigfooty always talk about with their coaches. 
But I think our plan A is good enough. It just, you know, in a game like today, if we just executed our skills better, we it wouldn't have been as close. So, yeah. I'd agree with that, Tim. I reckon it was more about execution. Um, I don't think wholesale changes apart from force changes need to be made really macker. And, and like Tim said, and I watched the SNFL game and... You know, you can make a case for Lockie Gallant. Uh, you can make a small case for Shuey maybe being a sub. I don't know. He got 26 or so, and but his disposal is still shabby um, and doesn't look... He has. I, I want to see Harry take a game apart before I bring him back up. Um, so there's not a lot there. Um, and admittedly, no one wants to go out to Elizabeth play a game of footy, and we played exactly like that. Um, Kane looked okay, I guess. Um, I think I think Kane is the type of player that would be solid, irrespective of form. And I think we've got to be careful sometimes to judge SNFL form because we've seen it before that players just play better when they're in a better standard team or better standard, better quality mm. game. So, but look, Matt. I, I really think it was about execution under pressure, and I think the focus really needs to be about execution under pressure. Um, it's going to be, without jumping the gun, a, a completely different game next week against Collingwood. And uh, I wouldn't imagine that Collingwood would be trying to close the game down. I think they'll be trying to open us up, to be honest. Um, so it, I think changes will be more about matchups. I think, next week than anything else. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. In, in, this, in the game that we're playing next week against Collingwood, the, that side in particular, I can't see them playing any type of game like a style of game like that was played today. So I think you're right. I mean, they they really like the gun and run and uh, style and move that ball really fast and catch people out. And uh, so, yeah, we'll be able to play our style of game if it's good enough um, against them. Uh, because they are a good, they are a good team. They play good footy, but um, yeah, they won't be crowding it like like it was today. So uh, we don't we don't have to adjust our game our game plan. Then we just have to play it better. Um, I agree with that. I was I was disappointed with Miller at times for a little bit of lack of courage. I thought. Yes, there was one or two times that he. Uh, there was one time in particular in the last quarter where he physically changed direction. Um, instead of straight lining the ball, um, and you know, I mean, it's just what you get from Miller, unfortunately. I don't know whether he will ever iron that out of his game. Lockie Scholl has ironed it out of his game to mm. a large extent. Um, Full credit. Miller is Miller is a far bigger boy than Lockie Scholl is, um, but I saw him, I uh, saw him move his line. Uh, in that last quarter, and it's like, gee whiz, you just can't do that as an AFL footballer. So, but I don't know whether we've got uh, many options for his spot at the moment, Mac. No, and that that is probably the problem. You got you. It's easy to talk about replacing somebody, but you must have somebody that's better to replace them with. Yeah, and also um, I think it'd be pretty stiff to single out one player from that match. As being like that, you were the specific person that we need to drop because that wasn't good enough. Uh, I agree that, that Miller had some poor moments, but don't think he was necessarily alone in um, a drop-worthy game. Um, if it was sort of a more normal game, 
Yeah, that, I mean, that's true. I mean, he was one of the few I saw that shirked it, though. I didn't see any others shirk it. No, no, I, I didn't either. It's actually interesting um, to see Lockie Scholl do particularly well. Uh, well, not like he had an amazing game or anything, but, you know, we talk about Miller as, you know, sort of an outside user-type player. He loves to, you know, his his big skills are his ball use and ability to evade tackles and, and stuff. And yet Scholl was, you know... Miller had a bit of a stinker, yet Scholl, you know, he ended up with a reasonable game for a, a player that, you know, throughout most of the game, uh, it was we weren't able to get it to the outside very effectively. But you know, previously in previous yeah. years, he would have just totally fallen out of the game completely in that yeah. style. And yet uh, this week, he he did okay. Yeah, it's a good point you raised uh, because we didn't really. Uh, we weren't allowed to use him in his in that outside, you know, transition role. Um, but he still found ways to get get involved. So you're right, you're right, Tim. Let's have a look at some individuals uh, while we're at it. And of course, we're talking Rory Sloan, who I thought was probably um, certainly integral in us getting over the line in the last quarter um, for the match. He had. 30 disposals, 15 and 15. But if you have a look at his last quarter there, 11 disposals, 5 and 6. Um, really got around it in the last quarter and was quite pivotal, I think. Um, you know, he uh, had 12 contested possessions, 17 uncontested possessions. Uh, only turned it over three times, two intercepts. Uh, only kicked a point. Had one goal assist, seven score involvement. So, and again, I reckon... I might just have a quick look. I reckon that might have all been... How many goal assists did he have in the last quarter? Uh, where are you? Oh, it doesn't. Oh, none. Oh, well, there you go. He had one goal assist for the game, so As, um, score involvements. I mean, oh yeah, seven score involvements. Uh, two marks, two uncontested. Um, you know, four hundred and fourteen meters gained, twelve centre bounce attendances, uh, five clearances, three centre clearances, and I reckon they were on the last quarter. Two round stoppage, uh, seven tackles, one inside 50, uh, three um, kicks inside 50, one rebound 50. Um, pretty solid game from a bloke who we all thought would be struggling to make it through a game, let alone, you know, be our best player. You and I were both guilty of that, Fiend, that we, we, yeah. we were very, very dubious that he was going to be an asset to the team, let alone be the one that sparked off enough to, for us to get up and win the game. So, you know, hats off to Sloaney. He's always been uh, someone you can be proud of for the club, and we, we thought he'd probably finished after that knee injury, but by God, the man's got courage and guts, and he played very well today. I thought it was the first match in quite a while that if Sloan wasn't playing, that it would have been highly detrimental to the game. I think he was integral to the win. And, you know, I think back, when was the last time that Sloan was key to a win? You have to go back to the Don Pike era for sure. And then it's what year then? It's certainly many years. Yeah. Uh, would do an absolute match winner, yes. Yeah, and look, he was because he in that last quarter he settled the midfield. We got a little bit on top in the midfield because of his presence, in my opinion, um, and around stoppage as well. He worked his ass off, and um, it was all, like you know he's not going to be able to chase down a, a, a runner. He's not going to be able to run both ways effectively. Just hasn't got that in him anymore. But around the contest, um, he was exceptional this week. 
Yeah, and, and sorry, Tim, go ahead. No, go on, Marco. No, what I was going to say is that um, he, you know, he's been the captain of the club for a long time, and uh, and Dawson, I think, has done a magnificent job taking over the captain. But the way that uh, Sloan, the type of person Sloan is, he's a, he's an extra captain. He, he's a guy that is so footy smart that he can actually make a lot of moves and help help out if Dawson's not looking at that particular area. Yeah, I think I Benzo in the chat makes a really good point. They're utilising Sloan very well this year. They're not relying on him, but they're using him in short bursts and uh, he's coming in and doing a job, whether it's to settle down, you know, try and stop a, a, a run of clearances or, or just provide a cool head uh, for those little short, sharp bursts and uh, it's working out perfectly at the moment. Mm. No, he, he, at the moment he's justifying his place in the team and um, he's interesting, I heard him interviewed during the week and uh, he, he says he's got no plan, no plan of retiring either. Same as Walker, they've both got plans of carrying on. Yeah, Walker reckons he's going to uh, play until they uh, stop signing his contract. So, Yeah. And why wouldn't you? Uh, it'll be up to the club to have the courage to do that. <laughs> well, Walker played, uh, he's outstanding today. Walker was. I think he played excellent football. Yeah, look, um, just before we continue, um, again, thanks to everyone who's joined us uh, on YouTube and in Discord. Don't forget, if you're watching us on YouTube and you haven't yet subscribed, that would be really helpful if you could. That'd be great. Um, and don't forget to give us a like. And uh, if you're on Discord and you're on the stage here and you want to have your say, now's the time to do it. Uh, so stick your hand up and we'll get you on. Um, and also, now... Tim, I'm not sure whether you've got yourself around the Crowcast merch, mate, but uh, it's uh, mate, it's much better than the little blue and white crap that you roll out there with your silly little channel. Um, <laughs> it's actually got some graphics. Um, so if anyone wants uh, any of the merch, we've got some T-shirts there, we've got some mugs and other bits and pieces. Um, I think there's a hoodie there that I'm uh, waiting on delivery at the moment, which uh, looks all right. Um, go to aflcrowcast.com and you'll see our little merch shop there. Get around it. It's pretty good stuff. All right. Um, let's have a look at Lady. Now, I thought they held Lady pretty well, but he still had 29 touches, didn't he? But it's indicative of what they did, that he only had the nine kicks and the 20 handballs. He really was under the pump whenever he got ball in hand. He did have 12 tackles, though. Um, he had uh, 21 contested possessions, which is amazing. Nine uncontested possessions, six turnovers, three intercept possessions. He would be bloody sore tonight, I reckon, Macca. Yeah, look, you know, in fairness too, Lady, you know, you say he, had, he didn't kick a lot. He had most of the handballs. Well, when he had those handballs, in fairness to the guy, he's probably got two or three players hanging off of him. And he's gone exactly. down to the bottom of the back. Yeah. He's got the bloody ball. He's getting hit from all sides and he's got the ball out. I loved his game. I thought it was a game of courage by Lady. Yeah. Um, it attended 20 centre bounces, had 10 clearances, two in the centre and eight around stoppage. Uh, 12 tackles, one of those inside 50. He had four inside 50s, two rebound 50s um, and a couple of one percenters there. Um, look, considering they put so much work into him, um, I thought it was a pretty good effort for him to to, to keep on and um, just be integral in us being able to match their pressure in close. Yep, totally agree. I thought um, I, I had Sloan and Laird as our best two. 
Yeah, well, the next the next guy, Mac, uh, you had a bit of a dip at last week. Well, that that's possible. Mr. Saligo, he said that, you know, he had a stinker, I think were your words. Stinker. They were the, and he did. And he did. But I didn't, but I also didn't uh, ban him from playing anything like that, I mean, he could play, as I said at the time, he just had a stinker. And and you, you can have it. I can remember playing one day, busting my ass out and getting three possessions for the whole day. So I know what it's like. Um, that that and was you, one of your better games, wasn't it? Oh, no, no. I, I had some. <laughs> I'm not yeah, all right, come I, on, keep going. I had some big numbers, but um, but I, I remember playing on the oval against it, busting my ass off, three possessions, you know. And that this happened to Saligo last week, and it was. It, it was a stinker, but he is a class lad. He really is a class lad, and uh, he just showed us today what he really is. You know, he just bounced right back. I mean, he would have caught lots of flack about he getting his forward, forward disposals, etc. maybe from teammates taking the piss out of him and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, he's, he is the real deal with Saligo. He really is. He's a long-term real deal for us. Love him. Yeah. I, I'm wondering how you um, how you know that you racked up lots of stats in your day, Macca, because didn't they, like, did they record them on stone tablets or something? Do we have to go to Stonehenge to see the archives to see whether what stats you picked up against the university in 1893? Well, when Moses wasn't playing, he used to do it on the sidelines, mate. <laughs> there's the Dead Sea Scrolls and then there's your match stats for uh, round six. That's what they are. Maybe they haven't decided it yet. <laughs> anyway, look, uh, back in today's world, um, Jake Saligo bounced back really well, I thought. 25 touches, 18 kicks, 7 handballs, 5 marks, 6 tackles. Um he had 12, uh, 15 present, uh, contested possessions. Um, plenty of things just scrolling all over the place here. Um, eight clearances, four of them in the centre and four around stoppage. Uh, six tackles, as I said. Um, what I like the most, seven inside 50s as well. He wasn't always using the ball great, but it was that kind of game. But... This was a game that you would expect a young lad who's a bit light to maybe drop away. And the fact that he was able to bounce back and, and be involved in the contest and be integral in the contest, um, it was a really good bounce back game from Jake under that sort of pressure, in my in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Right from the word go, you could see he had he was on. You could see it right from the... Uh, in the real early minutes of the game, he was on. Yeah, he obviously played with a bit of intent. Uh, he wasn't going to have two of those stinkers in a row because, you know, he obviously listens to the podcast. Couldn't have that right up again. Um, but, you know, uh, the, the thing was, the, in that sort of a heat, uh, like in that sort of heat in this game, for a, a second-year player to, you know, be effective and, have, and pick up 25 posies is a really good effort, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I thought he was excellent. I think it shows why uh, you need to yeah. back in players, especially young players yes. in that sort of position. You can't just let a player have, you know, five terrible games in a row, of course. But if you have one, now would disagree that it was a stinker last week, but a game, it's really good to see our coaches just backing them in because there were certainly eras at the Crows where one bad game from a young player would mean instant demotion. And under Knicks, that hasn't happened. So that's very good to see. Yeah, yeah. agreed. 
Interesting. Just throwing up stinkers. I thought that Jones didn't have a good game today, yet he was outstanding last week. So um, hopefully they back him in again for next week. You going to throw him under the bus as well? Uh, no, I'm not throwing him under the bus. I never ever threw Saliga under the bus. I just commented on the game that they played, and I thought Jones wasn't quite there today. But um, whereas last, I thought last week he was outstanding. And um, I, I could actually see the tread marks on the back of Saligo's head from where you ran him over the bus last week, Macca. You're exaggerating as always, Phoenix, or exaggeration. <laughs> but, um, but he did have a stinker. Um, no, but uh, Jonesy, as I said, he was down, but I hope they back him in for next week. I think they will. Oh, he got a lot of media attention. Yeah. He did. But, he did. That, that been, yeah, that might yeah. have been a bit of a distraction, uh, uh, Scorpus, don't you think? Yeah, I think he's very much... Uh... A confidence player and certainly some of the articles that he was you know interviewed for you know he was talking about being indecisive on the field and sort of getting caught up in his head a little bit with his the way he was playing and you know it felt like he was freed up a bit last week playing against Carlton but certainly this week yeah he sort of it seemed like maybe that attention playing on his home you know back in Tasmania mm. maybe a bit much for him and you know I, I don't think he was terrible he certainly when he did get the ball he seemed to be reasonably effective um there was that one time where he was just yeah just where he just got bowled over basically with a bit of a lack of awareness of what was going on around him but yeah yeah the the rest of the time i thought he was yeah when he got it he was okay but yeah for someone who it seems to be the struggle is more on the mental side of the game for him. I think maybe a few of those articles and media attention stuff was a bit premature. I would have liked to see him just sort of fly under the radar a bit more, just sort mm. of go about his business quietly, keep building, and not just have the big article about, hey, our pick nine from four, four or five years ago suddenly doing something. Just just let him keep going. Just simmer it down a little bit and let him play his game. Yeah, great. I think the other thing too is, um, Tim, um, Macca and I talked last week about how we thought Chase was benefiting from a very structured role and a team that was working to structures a lot more and he seemed to understand his role and you know it, it, he didn't have a, too much to think about and if you think about today the way the game was played and it was very congested and there wasn't a lot of options and people weren't moving and he was having to think a bit harder about what to do once he got it and I think when he got run down by, uh, was it Impey? I can't remember who it was. Um, That was classic, I think, where he just didn't know where to kick it because all his usual outlets were were cut off. Um, Mm. So I think Chase really benefits from that structure and and knowing his role and understanding uh, where he needs to go and where he needs to put the ball in certain circumstances. Yeah, good call, I reckon. Yeah, the defensive side of the, of the game has certainly been an issue for Chase in the past. I remember the early days of his career where we seemed to be playing him as sort of like this weird defensive midfielder where his main goal was like blocking opposition players and not trying to get the ball, where it's always seemed like his his best games have been when he's focused at going hard, attacking the ball and delivering the ball forward. And yeah. yeah, as you say today, when you don't have that opportunity because the game, we don't have much of an outside game going... And a lot of the inside work is being congested and it's down to players like Laird getting the ground balls and so on. Yeah, it becomes a bit more difficult for him. And I just hope that over the you know the next years we can continue to solidify that role for him because he yeah. has traits which are, are are worthy of being in our best twenty-two. But you know, I don't think he'll ever be 
you know, a Rochelle or a Dawson type player for us. But no. you need role players and someone like Chase can be that role player. But yeah, I think in games like we saw today, it was just not suited to him. Uh, speaking of which, Jordy Dawson found out what uh, being the number one kid in town is all about. Um, they obviously came with a plan with Jordan, and I don't think Jordan was in great nick as it was. Still had 24 touches, 13 and 11, had five marks and five tackles. Um, and it's always the way when uh, you start uh, being the number one uh, player, you know, your, your baseline is judged a lot more harshly. Pardon me, 13 kicks, 11 handballs, as I said, four contested possessions. Pardon me, 18 uncontested possessions, three turnovers, uh, three intercepts, uh, seven score involvements, uh, five marks, all of them uncontested, one inside 50. Uh, 480 metres gained. I think we had 480 to half time, or 480 to quarter time on it last week, Mac. It was something ridiculous. Mm. Um, 27 centre bounces. Didn't get a centre clearance and only one around stoppage, which shows you how much he struggled in those two um, facets. Uh, five tackles, three inside 50s. So, look, they did a pretty good job of um, blunting his um, impact on the game. And yeah. uh, it just goes, to, it, it makes the win all the better that we won without him being a, a really big influence. Yeah, in fairness to Dawson, I will say this. You're quite right. Everything you said about what they did to him was true, and he's and you, you read out his stats, and they are not bad stats for a guy that didn't have a good day. So, I mean, that shows no. how classy the guy really is. Our plan with Dawson in some of the previous games he's played in the middle is he's very much that second receive player. Like you want a lead type to be getting the the ball on the ground and and handing it to Dawson, who can then deliver the kick or pass inside 50 or wherever we're going and the way Hawthorne played was obviously designed to completely shut that down and you can really see in in things like the ground ball gets stat that you know we had Laird with 12 ground ball gets, Saligo with 11, Sloan with 8 and you have to scroll all the way down to find Dawson with only 3 ground ball gets and when you're a player that isn't super suited to that sort of style of play and you're more that sort of inside out midfielder and a you know that that's exactly the t- sort of player they're trying to shut down. You're going to find it pretty difficult, and that's I feel like Dawson. Yeah, he sort of suffered from being that. You know, I don't think he played well, but he he suffered from being that sort of player that we were trying to get the ball to, but then they were just always all over him, and he was sort of second grabbing it and stuff. So a, a very difficult game for him, and I'd, I'd hope that yeah he learns a lot from that, and he can sort of think of more ways to get involved because certainly other teams are going to try tag him. There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I, I just he, he's, he's quality. He'll, he'll he'll work his way through that. I think he also wasn't helped, um, Tim, by the fact that we weren't getting a lot of first possession in that centre situation. You know, uh, as you said, Warple was doing a really good job of reading O'Brien's taps, so it often wasn't Laird that was getting first use, and therefore he wasn't getting that first give. Um, and you're right, he was getting blanketed enough that he wasn't getting much of it at all. So he'll have to work through it, um, but all the good players do, right? So we'll ha- it'll be very interesting. And we said this last week, didn't we, Mac? It'll be interesting to see what happens with Geordie once he gets the tag, and we've seen it straight up. So it'll be very interesting to see what Collingwood do next week. Yeah, one question to both of you. Um, do you think we should have tried Pedler in the middle at, at some stage? Because he was playing well. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I talked earlier about sort of I like the versatility of our team and the number of players that can play in different positions. I felt like some of those times where we were struggling a little bit and, and certainly there were times where Hawthorne were well on top in, in areas like clearances and luckily we did manage to you know even that up towards the end of the game. So yeah, I feel like Pedler, he, was, he had some good moments and as someone that we've sort of, what we drafted him as a midfielder, it, it would have been nice to see some more rotations. If it wasn't him, then you know there were certainly other players we could have moved into the middle. But, you know, as Phoenix said, we got away with the win, so something was going right and maybe the, the role that Pedler's playing is still effective. I don't know. Yeah, and can we just relax in the chat? No need to start calling people names. We're all, we're all friends here. Um, all right. Um, Tex, I reckon, we'll have a look at because I thought he was pretty solid, except in the last couple of minutes of the game where he thought it was a better idea to handball back to Lockie Shoal instead of have a ping himself from 45. Oh, that was great. That was crazy. Oh. Bloody hell, Tex. Yep. But anyway... 16 kicks, 4 handballs, 8 marks, 4 tackles, kick 4 goals, 1. So he had his boots on, which is good. Um, 5 contested, 15 uncontested, 2 turnovers. They didn't allow him to get up the ground that much. Uh, one of the features of Tex over the last couple of weeks is uh, his ability to get really high, but he seemed to get most of his stuff inside forward 50. Did have 10 score involvements, 8 marks, one of them contested, 3 marks inside 50. Um so yeah, I mean, it was it was a very good game uh, from Tex. He did his job, um, did what he had to do. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you know, Pat, uh, he didn't make too many mistakes, mean, but that one he did make was a was a glaring one, a really a really bad one at a really bad time. So, and uh, I was thinking that might cost us the bloody game that particular move because. He was in a position to have a shot for goal, just hook it around the body. Why he meant to handball, I just do not know. But, um, yeah, look, in fairness to Tech, take the whole thing, uh, his whole game as a whole, um, I thought he was he had a big influence on the game, and uh, I think with four goals he kicked off memory, and it was nice to see he had his uh, straight-kicking boot back on today. I thought it was, he had a surprisingly good game considering how close they were paying it attention to him and they paid attention quite closely to um Fogarty and Philthorpe as well really trying to shut them out of the game and obviously Tex is a class player so it's very hard to stop him especially in those sort of as you say he gets those outside opportunities you know it's not necessarily a lead or whatever he's just, you'd like to see him take those snaps and, and opportunities a few more times but you know a player like I think he was on Frost for a fair bit of the of the game and Frost certainly had some good moments but Tex is clearly a class above in terms of player so i think that that really showed today that despite how closely they were trying to play him that he's still good enough even it is you know he could only be a couple of years away from retirement he's still yeah he's able to contribute in those situations which is good which he did yeah yeah and Fogarty had a bit of a an in and out sort of a game obviously kicked a, a classic to uh, get us over the line but uh, i felt for a while there, he really struggled, and he seemed to be playing a little bit behind um, for much of the game. Uh, so, you know, it just shows... And obviously, Thilthorpe didn't give us much. Um, so um, it was good that um, that Tex was able to stand up. I, I'm still not 100% convinced that Fogarty, Walker, and Thilthorpe is the right configuration. 
I think in the future our forward line is Fogarty and Philthorpe as the two main men. I, I don't like Philthorpe as a third tall. I don't think he's very effective in that sort of role. He either needs to be in the midfield using his skills, and I'm not an advocate of him in the ruck. I mean actually in the midfield. Or as that forward line focus that we saw, I think it was the Port game. Was that the game where he really yep. started clunking it and was really dominating in that role? And I, I think Fogarty was out injured at that time. So yep. one of those two positions, I think third tall, yeah, a lot of the focus goes to Fogarty and Walker and he sort of gets a bit lost and you know, he tries to move up to the the wing at times, but you know, he can be blanketed and you know, I don't think his marking game was on today, unfortunately. Um but yeah, I think the future for him is is certainly full forward, I would say. Yeah. You said a, him as a ruckman before, so Yeah, I'd rather be- see him as a ruck. Well, I think he long-term he's our first Ruckman. He's got to lift his game a little bit if he's got, as a Ruckman, though, I think. Um, I, I would say that a little bit of rucking. He he's 19, Macca. He's, Nine, if we want him to be a Ruck, it's, 20. That's, that's five years from now sort of thing. Yeah, yeah I, I think so, yeah. Like Tim English, yeah. sort of sort of development track. Yep. He's, no, he's, that's, uh, that is fair he's a kid, that is, Yeah, that is fair comment. All right, uh, just quickly, some of the others that played well. I thought Lukey Peddler played pretty well, 15 uh, disposals, um, got involved a fair bit. Um, I agree, I probably would like to see him run through the midfield at time because I just reckon he's Gary McIntosh reincarnated. Um, yeah. Probably doesn't have the tank yet, but uh, even just one or two every now and again, if you don't mind, just to clean someone up would be good to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lockie Murphy, I thought, was serviceable. Tried to get himself involved. Didn't do a huge amount. Didn't have a lot of impact. Um, I thought our halfbacks struggled today. Did a Smith and Hinge. Hinge, probably the best of them, although he's, uh, I think he's got an injury now. I think he might have done a collarbone. Um, oh, this won't be good. Yeah, I think so. Um, but they certainly didn't have the same... They seemed to be getting held more accountable. They didn't seem to have the same licence to uh, float across and, uh, and, and you know, provide chop-outs. Was Injun still on the field at the end of the game? Yes, I think. Uh, maybe not right at the end. Happened late. Yeah, I missed that. Um, Smith didn't let you down. He still just dump-kicked most of his kicks. Well, I mean, the game suited Smithers. It was right. He's rubbing his hands together, going, "Yeah, great! I can kick the ball sixty down the line, and no one will care." <laughs> yeah, those sort of players have been effective for us previously because we've worked really hard to make space for you know, up the ground, so they had actual targets to get to. But Hawthorne yeah. just completely shut that down. So yeah, that's right. Really, there's no easy outlet for them. Like. You know, we we saw a couple of times players like Hinge try and you know weave his way through contests and stuff, and that's all they were really left to to do because there were just no easy options, no easy ball for us on the outside. So it's a hard game to rate for those sort of players because you know I agree that Smith has dumped kick plenty of balls lately, but you know was he playing his role? Was it his fault or was it the fault of players up the ground? And I think in this game it was probably more the work of the the players in the midfield and forward line. Yeah. Well, he got, and, yeah. And so he said he gets away with it this week because of the way of the congestion. But I was going to throw one at you there, Fiend. It was Houdini at the game. Rochelle was magic in the first half and he disappeared at half time. 
Yeah, he, um, I mean, again, he's a kid, Mac. In and out of the game, that's that's what you're going to get from a kid. His first half was magic. I mean, he, he just got so much of the ball, and he was Except actually... Good, disposal. I, I will be critical of that. But um, he, he played well as a midfielder uh, and roaming around the ground. He was he has the ability to, to make space and find space, which, um, as I said, whether, whether they got somebody to tag him, and all of a sudden I just didn't see him in the third quarter. Yep, uh, eight disposals in the first quarter, four marks, two tackles. Uh, second quarter, he had also eight, six kicks, two handballs, two marks, three tackles, kicked two points. Third quarter, donuts, two tackles. And fourth yeah. quarter, fourth quarter, five kicks, uh, five, sorry, five disposals. So worked his way back into it a little bit in the last. Um, overall, 21 touches, 14 and 7, 7 tackles, 6 marks. But you're right, Mac, it was all in the first half. And, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe they got someone to play closer to him, maybe run out of puff, maybe just fell out of the game. Again, a young kid. But he's a classy young kid. He really is a classy young kid. He's got a great future. He's got to watch he's his disp- He's got to work on his disposal, don't you reckon, Tim? Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I was going to say. I think the last couple of weeks his disposal has been questionable. But I think some of the time it's not a decision-making issue. Like sometimes with poor disposal comes, you know, part of that is juju poor decision-making. It seems like Rochelle is trying, he's making some good decisions. There was one kick inside the, the Ford 50, which was a good decision to try and hit up. I think it was yeah. Fogarty on a lead, but he just didn't, the kick didn't come off. But Did you could see kick, what he was yeah. trying to do. You could see that you know, that was the right option to take, but he just needed to execute the kick a bit better. And certainly a lot of the, the poor disposals that he's had is, I felt they're more on that side of the equation as opposed to the, you know, maybe the, the uh, Ben Keys shots at goal decision-making where it's a poor kick, but also he's in a terrible position and was never a chance to kick that goal. Um, so I think there's, if he tied up that little bit, that's sort of 10%, 20% better. Uh, he'd be a very, very damaging player, and we've seen that earlier in the season, so hopefully he can get back to that. Maka, I reckon Josh might have a little bit of the drop the ball from too high at times too. When he's running at pace, he tends to give the ball a little bit of a loop when he's going to kick the ball, and I reckon that affects his uh, the how flush he kicks him sometimes. Well, his kicking was off today, there's no doubt about that. When, when you see him running in a controlled manner and, and he um, is straight lining a pass, like hitting up someone coming at him, he drops the ball very straight. But when mm-hmm. he's running at pace and he needs to kick the ball a bit longer or to an angled lead, his technique falls down a little bit, in my opinion. So hopefully someone's got a little bit of an eye on that. I'm sure they will have and they'll work on it with him. Uh, he's got massive potential. I, I find your confidence reassuring. Um, Benny Keys was twi- quiet, 12 and 5. Um, we've spoken about Miller, we've spoken about Jones. I thought Nick Murray um, obviously didn't get a lot of touches, but I thought, again, he did pretty well. Max Michelani, again, didn't get a lot of it, but again, just showed his class at the death with that deft little kick. Uh, that you know split two Hawthorne players and 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 hit Tex. I think it was Tex or was it Rochelle? Uh, Rankin can't remember. Um, just has a bit of class about him, doesn't he? 
when he did that kick, I was sure it was going to get interfered with it, but didn't it? It just found its way through, as you said, very deft kick. He had yeah. nine tackles. Did he? Michelani, yeah. Michelani. Probably Mike Lanny, hard to yeah, have nine, nine tackles, tackles. in it. Yeah, what'd you say, Bill? What'd you say, Macca? What did I say about what? I, what was his name? My, uh, Michael Lenny. There you go. <laughs> um, look, it's hard to talk about too many other players, um, unless there's anyone in particular you want to talk about. Um, obviously, Isaac Rankin. Um, again, uh, look, I actually, the thing I like about Isaac is that he's actually getting a bit of ball up the ground. He's working particularly hard. And, you know, I think what we thought we would get would be a mercurial forward who we hoped would be able to run a little bit through the middle, but he's shown himself more than capable of, of doing so. And I actually wonder whether he was the one that could have benefited from a few more uh, or a few runs through the centre, Mac, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think you're quite right. He's actually a very versatile player in the sense that um, I think when you're right on top and you're midfield firing, he's the guy you keep up forward and to, to snap the goals. But uh, today, yeah, he, we could have perhaps used him a couple of times up there. He's a one-touch player, and it was clear yeah. even towards the end of the game that he was, you know, where a lot of his uh, teammates were fumbling the ball, that he was his one-touch ability was still there. So I agree. I think it would have been really great to have seen him more around the midfield, maybe not inside midfield or centre bounce or anything, but further up the ground because, yeah, if you're having players that are just sort of fumbling and making mistakes and you've got Dawson down on his form and stuff, having that player that can go in there, get out some clean touches and do some nice creative things would have been great. But, you know, he's, he was still able to impact the game and ultimately that snap he had from the boundary was, you know, crucial to the win. Um, so I think he had a good game. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think I think they could probably consider using him a little bit more around around the ball, um, just to break things up a bit. It was very dour in the midfield. You know, you had Hawthorne clogging it up and us struggling really hard to um, to break free. But Ranks is exactly the sort of bloke that come in there and just burst through and, and break it up a bit. In my opinion, it's incredible the way he can dodge around players. You can. He looks like he's definitely going to get caught, but he 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 runs one way, feet go the other, just like palms and palms off. That goal, look at that goal. He he uh, chested uh, chested off two players to uh, to get that goal. Hello, who? Somebody playing the piano? That's <laughs> no, just my phone. Oh, okay. Um, there was a bit of discussion from Hawth- Hawks uh, fans that. The Rankin goal was out of bounds. Now, I think it's them having a bit of a sook, but I'm interested in the opinion of you two. Was the Rankin kick, or the Rankin, I think he did a, maybe he shuffled around a little bit. Yeah, was it out of bounds? No, I do. And that even crossed my mind. He was out. The ball wasn't. I don't think he was out of bounds. I mean, he, obviously he, him physically as a person was, but the ball, yeah, I don't think he, so. That's right. He, the, his foot went out of bounds, but he kept the ball in. It was very much like the Eddie Betts goal of the year where he um, went to ground, held the ball in, then got up um, mm-hmm. and then kicked his left foot torpy. Um, but no, Rankin kept the ball in. 
I mean, the because the goal, the boundary umpire was right there. It was I could you could see it, it on was. the replay. The boundary ump was right there. If that ball and the whole ball's got across the line, so um, nah, I think that's they're just having a lend, having a soup. They just well, cry. Yeah, it is nice when that happens, though. You see a few few cries, few sooks, and I think it improves the the quality of the goal if there's that discussion afterwards. It's it's nice, yep. <laughs> especially from Hawthorne. When Hawthorne people are complaining about umpires, you just got to have a bit of a laugh. Oh, they were saying on Big Footy that they were got absolutely destroyed by the umpires in the last five <laughs> five or so oh, minutes. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, come on, mate. Seriously, of they did. the amount of throws they got away with throughout the match oh. was insane. Oh, oh, there's one. It's happening there's, consistently. There's one one-handed one. The guy was tackled and he threw it out one-handed. Yeah, that was I a shocker. I couldn't believe it. it was, the umpire could see it. I just couldn't believe it. it. It's happening consistently this season. A lot of like well, the other week, the other day, when blokes were just basically putting the ball on the ground when they got tackled. It's like what is going on? Murray did that once. He when he was tackled, he actually put the ball on the ground and then. Picked it up again, and you never, you never went uh, fold the ball. So look, it goes both ways. And um, but look, they, they can scream their guts out. We could scream our guts out. Overall, it was just a scratchy game. We've been hard to umpire. Yeah, I don't look. What I'm not seeing is any value out of the four umpire having the extra umpire there. I haven't seen any value in it whatsoever. Zero. Yeah, they seem a bit. They're not decisive enough. Like there's a lot of oh, who's going to pay that decision and. You know, you have some, yeah. you know, often it's uh, an umpire from well out of the, the play that is making very obvious calls, like a throw or a holding the ball. Yeah. I think there was one today where it was a holding the ball decision that was paid by the umpire well up the field when the umpire right there definitely should have paid it. So, yeah, I agree. I don't think it's been super effective. They, they need to, they seem to be too focused on not paying too many frees, as if mm. like paying 30 frees per team per match is bad. But I've always thought that they should be paying any free kick that's there. If it's there, it should be paid. It shouldn't be. There shouldn't be some quota that they have to go, you know, work towards. And it feels like, yeah, even with the four umpires, they're sort of still going by that quota. With four umpires, they should be paying more frees. There's there's more vision, more angles they can look to see infractions, and that just hasn't happened. Yeah. But what is happening with that? Um, and I agree with you that they seem to be paying less frees, and they're also seeming to to allow people longer to get rid of the ball when they're tackled. And I think that's directly contributing to this issue that we've got with dangerous tackles. If they they blew the whistle earlier, then blokes wouldn't have five minutes in a tackle where in the end they've got no choice but to try and bring the guy to to ground because there's nothing left for them to do. Oh, my thunder feet, I've got to raise that exact point. I'm I'm blaming the umpire for all these uh, sling tackles. They don't blow it's the whistle. Not the umpires, it's 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 the directive. They're only umpiring well, as they're told to umpire because it's consistent. It's not just one or two umpires; it's all of them. But it's a result of that directive on the ground. What what the umpires are told to do and what what they're doing, it you quite it's one hundred percent right. I mean, it's it's can sort of crept into the game in the last year or two because of the, they just won't pay holding the ball. Uh, so I don't know whether I mean I've, I've heard one or two commentators say that as well so I wonder whether that'll get some scrutiny but I think it's a real issue if you're going to let the the guy have you know five or six seconds in a tackle 
then that's what's going to happen because the natural instinct of the tackler is to bring them to ground. That's what you're taught to do. And so when you're standing up in a tackle, it takes leverage to be able to bring someone to ground and often that results in a, in a, what looks like a sling, even if it's yeah. not really a sling. Yep. It's so weird too because the AFL is always constantly going on about, oh, we need to speed up the game and reduce congestion. And yet having umpires take five seconds to adjudicate you know, a ball up or a holding the ball decision slows the game down. It, it it makes it easier for teams to structure up and it causes more plays to form around those sorts of packs. If umpires were really quick about, um, you know, paying those sorts of decisions and then on top of that, not allowing players like James Sicily to just sit on top of Fogarty yeah. when he's got a yeah. free kick and pay that immediately as a 50, the game yeah. would open up much more significantly and you'd have fewer dangerous tackles and would be much more open and free-flowing and it would be easier for teams to break through zones because you wouldn't have that stop-start game and ball up and congestion and stuff. It's really odd because they've introduced all these other weird rules, the stand rule and the extra long, you know, the, the goal square type stuff and yep. yet it's in those contests where there's some easy things that they could be adjudicating better and they just don't. Yeah, I agree. It, it, like, adjudicating a tackle is very simple it's first of all is it a fair tackle second of all did the guy with the ball have have prior opportunity if not blow your freaking whistle you don't have to wait to see if he can get rid of it if he can't get rid of it straight away it's either holding the ball if he had prior or if it's a ball up if he didn't the end and that that can take two three seconds to adjudicate correct totally agree Fane. it's something i've been read hold on they're creating the problem at the moment I, I think so. You know, they go through these weird, bloody uh, periods of strange interpretations, and, and I just don't understand it. They just fuck around with the game. We've got rules. Why don't they just bloody enforce them? Yep. Anyway, um, all right. So we're now four on the trot. Scoots uh, asked us to talk about four wins in a row. I reckon. Um, it could have very easily been six with a, a stroke of luck uh, against GWS and, you know, a slightly cooler day. Um, so I, I re- it's a good start. I don't think we could have asked for a better start overall. Yeah, if that first game had been 20, I played at 26 degrees instead of 36 degrees, I've got no doubt we would have won that game and the next game because that heat took it. I mean, a five-day turnaround that really took us out of it. Uh, out of us against Richmond with, with tied in the last quarter um, as we did it in the first game so you're quite right Pete it could have easily been uh, a, a really strong start with six on the trot but it just shows uh, we have improved this year we've definitely improved What do you reckon Tim? Yeah I agree I think last time I sort of well I didn't actually come on the show I don't think but I sort of jumped in when a few things were happening. I think it was around the Richmond game. And I was like, oh, no, yep. when's our next win coming? And <laughs> you know, I couldn't have been more wrong about that. Oops, what a terrible not like you call to, from not me. not like you to one. be doom and gloom. Oh, well, you know, a, a few years of uh, really, you know, they've, they've beaten me down, the Crows boys, unfortunately, <laughs> a little bit there. But, um, yeah, I think it, it, it's been an interesting start because, you know, if we looked at our fixture for the first six weeks, you know, before the season, and you saw that we were playing Richmond, 
were playing Fremantle, Port Adelaide, teams that you would expect to be, and Carlton, teams that you'd expect to be sort of coming up towards the finals and, and certainly in contention for that. And we've come out looking pretty good against that. And we've beaten Hawthorne and Tasmania, uh, where we never win, except this week. Um, yeah, you're probably going, oh, you know, that that's going to be a really difficult period and a really, really strong start. But I think it's actually the next period, funnily enough, that is going to tell us perhaps more than uh, what we've seen so far. Playing Collingwood, we play Geelong at uh, Cadinia Park. We play St Kilda in the next couple of weeks. Those are difficult matches, and it'll be very interesting to see. And then we play the Western Bulldogs after that as well. So very difficult matches. And, yeah, it'll be interesting. I I think it's still a bit on the knife's edge as to whether we can make finals this year. Um, It really hinges on whether the teams that we have beaten and played well against are genuine finals contenders or not. I think it's clear at the moment that a team like Fremantle is not going to be around the mark this year, but potentially Port, potentially Carlton is still there. So, yeah, when we're playing these sort of teams that are very much going to be around, like uh, Collingwood, it's going to tell us a lot. Um, So I'm really keen to see how we go next week. Um, What are your thoughts? I mean, about winning. About winning against Collingwood? Yes. Uh, I think it being at home uh, is significantly in our favour. I think if we were playing this at the MCG, I'd say we're pretty pretty difficult, pretty much not going to win. I think at Adelaide Oval, though, I'd probably have this at a maybe like a 60-40 game in Collingwood's favour. I think if we're playing our A game, if we bring the game against Port Adelaide or Carlton, that sort of style of game is good enough to beat Collingwood at Adelaide Oval. Um, but, you know, if we're playing more like against Richmond or against Hawthorne, and they, they try and make it a scrap, which I don't think they will, uh, I think we'd be in a bit of strife. So, yeah, I think it's slightly in Collingwood's favour, but I think they can win. It's definitely not like at the start of the year, I would have definitely penciled this in as a loss. So they've improved in that sense. As Vardy points out in the chat, um, Collingwood travel pretty well, uh, and they don't do too badly at Adelaide Oval. So not sure whether the... I mean, the crowd, obviously, it, like it'll be pumping if there's not 50-plus yeah. there. Um, and that. Yeah, I think it's very much a, a crowd sort of thing. I don't know, Phoenix, whether you cut out there or not, but I think it's very much a, a sort of crowd getting behind it. This this game is primed as a blockbuster now. Um, previously, if we'd faced a sort of team like this, it would have been less of a blockbuster. It would have been very much like, hey, we're playing against a... You know, the sort of bottom team against top team sort of thing it wouldn't have had that sort of atmosphere. But with the way the team's going, I think it, it's going to really help lift the team. We saw that against Carlton in that first quarter where, you know, we got m- momentum at the start and then the crowd was helping ride that wave right through to the end of that quarter and throughout, well, most of the game. Bain's quite right. I mean, he says, though, that uh, Collingwood play Adelaide Oval very well. They've got an excellent record, Adelaide Oval. Having said yep. that... Um, we haven't been in this type of form for many a year either. Um, uh, I, I like that we won ugly today. I mean, we, we've been winning, uh, playing well. Our, I mean, the week before, our first quarter was just outstanding with the football, we, the quality of football we played in that particular quarter. And just... So um, it's going to boil down to whether we can reproduce that type of football. We'll get the opportunity to do it, I think, because... Um, Collingwood don't crowd games up. They don't clutter it up. Um, they have their own attacking style, and they uh, they weaken the ruck area. Um, 
So, you know, Rob can at least have, should hopefully have some influence. One can only hope. Um, well, again, it's one of those games where he's going to, where he's going to have the opportunity um, to take the, the game by the scruff of the neck, you know. Yeah. And he has to do it. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, if he can actually do it and give us the opportunity to have first use of the ball, then I think we can possibly win the game. If we, but if we uh, get beaten in the centre, well, then, of course, I don't think we can. We need yeah, to... apologies. My microphone just dropped out there for a second, but that's all right. Go on, Tim. I think in, in this game, you know, while our A game, our first game is good and certainly has the tools to beat Collingwood... You know, we can't just sit and not address some of the things that make Collingwood the team that they are. And one of those is they need, it's essential, to tag Nick Dacos. They cannot let him run around. They have to hard, hard, hard tag him out of the game. Smash him physically because, you know, there's been a few question marks over that side of his game recently. You know, I think seeing some talk in the chat about Keys potentially as a player to to do a role there, but they can't just... They can't just let him cut us up because you know, if, they, if we're playing that sort of outside spread, fast attacking game and Nick Dacos is getting 40 touches, that's recipe for us losing. Whereas if we can sit someone on him and really take him out of the game, he's been so influential for them that that will be really key for them to, to shutting them down. Yeah, you mentioned Keyes and it's interesting because, I mean, he is the one player that can run all day in our side. Um, uh whether he's got the class or the quality to keep up with Dacos. Because Dacos is a very sneaky player in the sense that, when I say sneaky, clever. Um, you know, they, I've seen uh, other people put uh, tags on him, but they give up after about 15, 20 minutes because they just can't get near him. Because he just reads the play so well and he just takes off when you, when you don't think he's going to take off and then all of a sudden the play goes and there he is. So he is a very hard man to stop. But... Um, Look, I do think we should try to make him accountable and I do think the player we should try and use on him is key. Well, I'll just say something on that. I I think the game's gone past a hard tag as such. I would be rotating two or three players through Nick, Nick Dacos, Benny Keys, um, Luke Pedler, and I'd actually um, also consider putting uh, Tom D. Day down there. Beligo too. No, yeah, not if he's, filling, if he's filling the hole, I think um, a nice Darcy Fogarty running hard at the ball, if you catch my drift, would be a really good way to, yeah, sort of impose ourselves yeah. on the game and, and on Nick Dacos. But, you know, yeah. the other thing that really worries me about Collingwood is that they are a very good team in a close game. They have excellent structures. They are very mm. well drilled. Mm. And it comes down to, you know, the final quarter and it's within 10 or so points. You put a you put a lot of money on Collingwood to win in that sort of situation. So we can't have Jake Saligo uh, kicking the ball to a contest now forward fifty with a minute to go. Um, if we're up, we need to have you know we need to have that situation locked down and and know to be kicking you know trying to find that free player and, and kicking sideways and those sorts of things. Um, so that worries me a little bit, but like I said, I think that they're still in with the chance. Yeah, it's I, I, like, it I like the option in the chat they're talking about Max as well. That'd be an interesting little option, even if you gave him a quarter to see how he went. Well, I know Max has uh, exceeded everybody's expectations, but gee, that is a big ask for him. 
Well, he's only have, he only has to stop Dacos. He doesn't have to get 20 himself. No, well, I, well he's got, got an engine that can keep going like Dacos. Dacos has got a massive engine. Well, that's what I'm saying. I reckon you rotate a few players through him. You also might need Michelani to stop someone like Jamie Elliott, who always seems to bob up and destroy us a little bit. So He does. He yeah, does. True. Yeah. He's still true, needed true. down there. And, I mean, on top of that, they've got Bobby Hill. They've got Jack Ginovan back in the team. Bo McCrew is quite a dangerous sort of smaller type forward. So, yeah, they've got a lot of options there, especially with their lack of key position players at the moment um, in yeah. the forward line in, in the ruck. Yeah, I'd be he- pretty hesitant to – I know you mentioned bringing uh, Dude down as well. Yeah, I think those sorts of players would be quite useful for us in this game, whereas you know a player like Jordan Butts may not have as much of an opponent. So not that I play Butts on, on Dacos, that's ridiculous, but you know, you know what I mean. I wouldn't mind betting that Butts is a tactical omission this week. Oh, yeah? Bring, bring well, old, I mean, you've uh, got Marion, Marion Majek. Who else do you need to match at all on? Um, yeah. We don't need to worry about Frampton. He's probably going to play in the ruck and be pretty useless. Yeah. So, no, Ashley Cox Johnson? might be playing Vardy. I don't think. Ash Johnson will get a will get a Duday or a or a um, Hinge yeah. or someone. Yeah, not a lot there for him. But who would you bring in for him? Would you go? Would you bring in you know Josh Worrell straight back in as sort of that more like for like change, or would you go a totally different sort of player? Uh, no, I'd probably um, I'd probably bring in a Berry if he's fit. Um, oh, they're saying Cox is in. Uh, if Cox is in, obviously we need that second tool. Um, but other, otherwise, if yeah, Cox I don't is know. in, wouldn't he play Ruck and then shift Frampton down back again? They've been playing. Or uh, play probably, yeah, probably. That is McStay fit yet? Ooh, I don't I think don't so. know. He, somebody, he did a finger in. I don't know whether, how long he, whether he's going yeah. to be playing or not. Anyway, anyway, I, I wouldn't mind betting if, like, it'll. As I said earlier in the in the show, I think any omissions will be tactical, and butts might be one of those. Uh, They've already showed like they sub butts out again this week, um, just to break it up a little bit. Is something wrong with butts? Physically? Oh, I don't know. I'm not his doctor, Matt. No, he's moving poorly, compared to past years. Yeah, we. I mean, we've commented on that before. I, I don't know whether he's carrying something. He, didn't when he didn't he have his calf strapped last week or the week before? Uh, and something. Yeah, he had something strapped. I don't know whether he's five strapped calf, whatever. Yeah, I don't think I he's one hundred percent. I think it's hard to draw too many conclusions from his subbing in this game either, because he had no opponent. So yeah, it was there, a matchup no, thing. Hawthorne played zero tall forwards. So, I mean, it, it made sense from a tactical standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I reckon, uh, I don't know about you, Mac, but I reckon uh, we might just sneak over the line against Collingwood this week. I think it'll be a belter. I really do. It should be a great game. And if we play up to our full capacity, uh, they will, because they always do. Um, so we're going to have, we're going to have to be the ones that have to uh, raise our level. But... I do think that we did drop our level this week. Um, I think the uh, nine days, I just relaxed just a little bit. Uh, I mean, Smith was down watching the golf uh, there at one stage, and um, I just think, you know, they all just got their minds off a little bit. But, uh, no, with Collingwood coming up, 
I'm sure they're going to be tuned up and we'll give our best and then we'll find out whether our best is good enough or not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say we can, we can win it. I'm not sure we will win it. I think yeah. the, uh, the, they're, they're up for a five-day break, aren't they, coming off Anzac Day? So yep. yeah, let's, hope for, let's hope for a really tough match for them, a really brutal, close, hard game. I mean, they're, they're facing Essendon, aren't they? Is that the usual Anzac yep. Day game? So Essendon, yeah. Expect them to win that pretty comfortably, unfortunately. But hope for a hard game and then a five-day break, and, yeah, maybe that'll give us a bit of an advantage. Sorry to burst your bubble, but statistically, five-day breaks don't make a lot of difference. Mm, that's a yeah. that's unfortunate. All right. Well, look... Um, it's been a good night. I think that's probably time to wrap it up. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on YouTube. Over 100 live views again tonight. That's fantastic. Thanks, everyone. If any of you haven't subscribed and you like what you see, please don't hesitate to go ahead and subscribe. It will help us out. And hit the like button, of course. Uh, those on Discord, uh, Gatesy, uh, I reckon Gatesy's been on the Terps tonight, so he's had a couple of timeouts, but he'll be better for the experience. Um Everyone else, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, no one else game to come on tonight, Tim. Probably because of your your vast presence on on the cast tonight, oh, no. of which we're, we're, we're very grateful, mate. It's always good to have you on board. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, no worries. All right. In the meantime, have a good week, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us, as I said, and we will see you next Sunday for another weekend wrap. Good night, everyone. Yeah, yeah good night, all. <laughs>